0: Good to see each of you. I got some very nice hugs this morning and people saying it feels very normal to have me here. And I was like, yes, like an old blanket you just can't throw away. And so we'll just keep coming back and mutually encouraging one another as the Lord allows us to. Uh, my name is Steve Hafler. I was, if you're a guest, welcome. Uh, I was the uh, previous pastor for 12 years and recently we have been serving the Lord in Western Asia. And I was going to preach this morning on reaching the unreached, but throughout the week and through counsel, the Lord just kept directing my heart back to Psalm 23. But this morning, for the scripture reading, uh, let's look at John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd oh yes and as a good shepherd i need to dismiss our children i was told i needed to give an audible on that (laughs) so our young children that would like to go to their bible lesson this is the time to go back and find those workers if you're a guest and you have children of that age and you'd like to meet the workers see the environment please go with them and you're welcome to go back and see that and then uh, please come back and join us john chapter 10 verse 11 for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are our shepherd, the great shepherd, the overseer of our souls. We thank you that you sent your son to be a lamb, sacrificed to take away the sin of the world. Every human shepherd will fail and is imperfect. And so we look to you, not horizontally in criticism, but vertically to you, our good shepherd, who never leaves us or forsakes us, who cares for us, who is near a very present help in trouble. Thank you that no matter how much our personal lives or spiritual lives or geographical location change, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as our good shepherd, you are providing and protecting, and you're leading us, you're leading us somewhere on purpose for Your glory and our good. Help us to trust You. As Your sheep, we hear Your voice. You know us. You know our name. We need to hear Your voice as the shepherd again this morning through Your Word, by Your Spirit, as You lift up Your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, our great shepherd. Guide us. Comfort us, protect us. We are your flock and the sheep of your pasture. May we take great confidence in this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn back to Psalm 23. The countries that Liz mentioned this morning are key countries in gospel ministry right now because they are the top five countries. Yemen is actually in the Middle East, not Africa, but Libya is in North Africa. And you might be surprised to find out there are works being done in each of those countries, including North Korea. And so our prayers here as a small gathering of God's people can have an effect for the gospel to those countries. God is raising up workers. There are creative access platforms where the gospel light is being spread throughout each of those countries for Christ's name's sake. And so I love that we get to to highlight unreached people groups and the the persecuted people groups on a Sunday morning and to have that kind of intercessory ministry here at Highlands. Question. Have you ever found yourself in a situation you weren't expecting? (laughs) I mean... I can hardly not laugh when I ask that because I'm looking out at a church and at individuals where we know one another's story. Uh, Many of us are in one, probably several right now, uh, situationally, geographically, I didn't know that I would be between countries in the summer of 2023, Uh, relationally, physically, mentally spiritually, ministerially? Have you ever found yourself in one of those or in a variety of those situations? And the answer, of course, is yes. This happens in churches and in missions as well. As a matter of fact, when we were considering, and God made it very clear to us through circumstances and godly counsel that we had to leave where we were serving and transition to the next place we thought God might have us Acts 16 was a great encouragement where it says this. I want you to hear these words. This is Paul on his second missionary journey. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the Word in Asia. That makes no sense. Asia still has the majority of unreached people groups today. Why would the Holy Spirit forbid the apostles, from preaching the Gospel there? You know what the answer is? We don't know. Keep reading. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, a very needy area, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Why? We don't know. What we do know is that where God chose to lead Him was into Macedonia. That's where we get the Macedonian call. You hear at a missions conference maybe this Macedonian call where Paul has a vision and they say, come over and help us. Of course, the Spirit said no and the Spirit said no and then there's this Macedonian call and he goes to this city, this leading town of Macedonia called Philippi and from that you have healthy churches planted and the Gospel proclaimed and this beautiful sweet letter called Philippians. That's what God was doing, even though what he was also doing, we don't have answers for. Seems we're never just facing one challenge, personally, relationally, situationally, but several because life is complex. And we all know that. And life can be disappointing. And we all know that. Children know that as well. And during difficult times throughout the ages, Psalm 23 has really been an encouragement to so many people and so many churches throughout these difficult places. You know what Psalm 23 tells us? That we do not need to walk life's difficult path alone, even when we feel alone, even when we feel abandoned. We don't have to walk it alone. Even when the dangerous paths sort of darken in on us, the Lord is my My shepherd, Our shepherd. When you are confronted with the unexpected, the, the green pastures sometimes are unexpected. the dark valleys certainly are unexpected. We have a shepherd who can be trusted a shepherd who is near, a shepherd who cares, who knows you and is leading you somewhere. Let's look at Psalm 23. And I want to make this personal. My shepherd, Jesus. I was told this morning uh, nothing was working. That's why you had a handwritten copy of the words in front of you. And I thought, well, this is how we did it in Africa. So I thought, uh, here we go again. And maybe we should just go out in the field and sit in the sunlight and Bring a few chairs for the elderly and the rest of us sit on the ground and we'll be like most of the church in the rest of the world. And we'd be mostly fine with that, right? (laughs) You're like, no, no, this is good. Okay, let's look at Psalm 23. The people of the Old Testament and of Jesus' day actually understood the relationship of a shepherd with sheep. Most of us who were sort of born in America, uh, unless you were really rural, most of us born in America do not understand that relationship. We just don 't see that, that relationship. We might be driving through right Wyoming or you know somewhere else in Wisconsin, and you might get a glimpse of soft white, fluffy creatures on green pasture and you 're like that 's cute, but you don 't really understand the work and the danger in the relationship unless you 're in that culture and Jesus and David both understood the relationship of a shepherd with sheep. I remember seeing a negative picture of this when we first moved to East Africa, and we were in this concrete jungle called Nairobi, which is nicknamed Nairobbery for its theft, and we would be driving down Outer Ring Road, and these animals that resembled sheep were trying to run across the busy, the busy highway, and you had these young boys throwing rocks at them to try to divert their path, and their wool was all matted down with mud, and I thought, you know, not every shepherd is of the same quality. The relationships vary, don't they? You know what Psalm 23 sort of puts before you? The beauty of Yahweh as an incredible shepherd. And then it projects you forward to the New Testament where you get this picture of Jesus Christ as a good shepherd who will lay down His life for the sheep. You know, that's the kind of shepherd you want. Especially when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You want a shepherd who's not going to flee. You want a shepherd who's going to die for you. Who better to write a psalm about shepherding sheep than David? Right, Most of us know some of the history of David. And again, not every shepherd is of the same quality, but David is a high-quality shepherd because if you add to that hired hands, as Jesus mentioned in John 10, wolves dressed in sheep's clothing, that's a problem. Predators. There's a lot of people interested in the sheep. Some for what they can gain monetarily, some because they want the sheep as a meal, but a true shepherd is going to guard the life and the health of the flock. David knew this. In Psalm 78, verses 70-71, to it says this, Yahweh, or God, chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people. God chose David from shepherding sheep to shepherding people. It's actually a picture we get in the New Testament of the church. Israel, his inheritance. David was actually out shepherding sheep when the, the godly prophet Samuel showed up, and he was looking for Israel's second king. And when he saw Eliab, he thought, he said this, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. The next king of Israel is surely this man. Why did Samuel say that? his age, his physique. Here is a natural leader. And you know what? It's a very interesting lesson because a godly prophet totally missed it. Matter of fact, God told Samuel, you are looking on the external things and I'm looking at a heart. He says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. And so Samuel then goes, well, let's look at the other sons. And he starts lining them up and looking at them. But there was one that was missed, the youngest, the easy one to overlook. And guess where he was? He was out shepherding sheep. Matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? Because now he is hearing the voice of the Lord and it's nudging him. It's none of these and Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And the story unfolds and God chooses David. There is a situation where David is still not serving as king, and there is a very large Spartan warrior who is defying the name of God. Well, he's not Spartan, he's Philistine. But the Spartans, like the Philistines, were trained in war from their youth and David doesn't see Saul who by the way was also known for his what stature and this warrior physique he doesn't see Saul going down to meet the giant he doesn't see his older brother going down to meet the giant so he goes and he makes an appeal to King Saul to confront Goliath and do you know what he references do you know what it was in his sort of his resume that he re- refers back to let's look at this 1 Samuel 17:31 When the words that David spoke were heard, he wanted to go face the giant, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him. And listen to what David said to Saul. Let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. Look at, the, look at what David says. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. I'm sorry. That, am I the only one that laughed at that response? Because Okay, there is this battle-scarred, bloodthirsty warrior armed to the hilt. And David says, I want to go fight him. No, you can't do it. No, I've shepherded sheep. Oh, okay, go, go ahead. But then look at how David explains this. He goes on and he says, And when there came a lion... How many of you have seen a lion not at the zoo? Okay, three of us? Four. Four of us. It's fearful. It's fearful. Even if you're in one of these, like, safari vehicles and the top is open and you're like, this is so cool, zebra, wildebeest... And then when you finally see the lion and they lock eyes with you, it is disturbing. And then I was so close to a lioness once, her eyes dilated. And I kind of just like went down into the vehicle a little bit. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's not how I want to die. Um, a lion is a fearful creature. David says, and when there came a lion or a bear, some of you have experience with bear and took a lamb from the flock. Look at what David says. I went after him. I'd be like, you know, one lamb, not a big loss, right? No, that's not what David is doing. David says, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, the lion or the bear, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both, listen to this, plural, lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Of course, you know that story. Psalm 23, written by the shepherd warrior king David who expresses absolute confidence in the Lord. Look at verse 1. It's an exclamation. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. The metaphor is beautiful. I was actually thinking through this yesterday, and I was thankful it didn't say the Lord is my cowboy. Think about that metaphor. Like he rounds me up, He lassos my neck. He brands me. You know, he drives me. You don't drive sheep. You gently lead sheep. If you drive sheep like cattle, they will die. It doesn't say the Lord is my crocodile hunter. I used to love watching that. He hunts me down in dark waters, wrestles me, fillets me, and turns me into a pair of boots, right? That's kind of dark for a sermon, right? Or the Lord is my... Let's change the metaphor. The Lord is my systematic theologian or my church history professor. Yeah, we don't want that either. How about this one? The Lord is my shepherd. Yes. It's the perfect metaphor for what sheep need. And the remaining verses are an exposition or an explanation of what Yahweh as shepherd is it's what it's the fruit of that relationship that we receive and even towards the end the metaphor changes where we're sitting at a banquet table it's still about the relationship of sheep with a shepherd so look at verse one again the lord is my shepherd personal even before god's providence in egypt jacob could say in in genesis 48 verse 15 The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, listen to what Jacob says, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Or Isaiah, in talking about Messiah, which was a a future look, uh, as Jesus would be the fulfillment of that future look, he says this in Isaiah 40, verse 11, that the promised rescuer, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. I love this picture. He will carry the lambs in His arms, holding them close to His heart. He will gently lead the mother's sheep with their young. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, if you are in Christ, is your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. If God is your shepherd, notice the implications in verse 1. I shall not want. And that word want means to fail or to lessen or to experience a decrease. This isn't a promise that God is going to give you everything you want. What it is, is a promise that the great shepherd will give you everything you need for life, for protection, for godliness. It's a confession that God will provide. So we would say this, when God leads us individually or corporately through a wilderness... I shall not want. I shall not be in need. Why? Because the shepherd's still here. In a dark place, I shall not be diminished. When you don't understand where you are or how you got there, even when you as the sheep wandered and messed up, sheep do that, I shall not ultimately fail. I shall not want. Even if you have lost your job or you're not sure if there's enough money for next month or the next decision is not clear or you have disappointed those you love, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And Really what the psalmist is moving to recognize is this. Uh, that these are the needs of sheep in every age. Food and rest, pasture and stillness. Sheep lie down, not when they're fearful, but when they're satisfied and safe, content and cared for. Exodus 15, 13 says this, You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Remember this, because we're going we're to point to this all the way until the end of the sermon a good shepherd is always leading somewhere, and you guide them. Scripture says to your sacred home. look at verse three, the first part: He restores my soul. you ever need that? you ever need refreshment, restoration? you ever get discouraged? Was there a time when we gathered here and it was there was energy and rejoicing, and now it it, it could in your own heart oppressive and discouraging do you know what the good shepherd does he restores your soul though the path moves through the wilderness he restores and he does not move the sheep any faster than they can handle the word for restores is a hebrew word that means to turn or turn back or return david captured this in another psalm a psalm actually where he was under the The heavy hand of God under conviction. And he finally says in Psalm 51, he says this, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. It's really the idea of repentance. A turning back. A restoration. A turning back to the Lord. Psalm 1611, You make known to me the path of life. In Your presence there is fullness of joy and at Your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Restoration is beautiful. Do you know that Satan divides and destroys? The thief comes to steal and to destroy, and Jesus mends and restores? I think of Peter. All four Gospels record Peter's failure. One of the strongest leaders... The man who was supposed to be the leader of the twelve failed miserably. And sometimes we don't understand how miserably Peter failed until we understand words like this when Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before who? The Father. And what did Peter do? He denied Jesus before men. But the restoration, actually, you see this in John 21. It's a beautiful scene. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the other men are like, we're going to go fishing with you. And of course, similar picture. All night long, these seasoned fishermen catch no fish. And there's a man on the beach as the sun comes up. And he started a fire. And he says, throw the net on the other side and you'll find some. To seasoned fishermen who just fished at the best time, And they cast the net on the other side, and like before, they catch a lot of fish. And Peter knows who it is. So he jumps in and he swims. And of course, the other disciples are around the fire, and he says, come and have breakfast. I love that. He's the Son of God. He's risen from the dead. His disciples are on the fringe, and he says, come have breakfast. They have breakfast. And afterwards, in John chapter 21... When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Agape, the highest form, sacrificial love. Do you love me more than these? And of course, I believe he's not talking about fish. He's talking about the other disciples because he protested, though everyone else fall away from you, I will not, even if I have to die with you. Peter, do you love me more than these other men? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He doesn't use the word agape. He uses a word that refers to fondness. And I love Jesus' response. What does he say? Feed my my lambs. Shepherd. Verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By the way, now Jesus uses the, the word that Peter used. Peter, are you at least fond of me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. Finally, Peter got there. Because originally he had stopped believing the Word of God. He, He didn't believe the prophecy of Zechariah where the shepherd would be struck and the sheep would scatter. And he didn't believe that he would deny the Lord three times before the cock crowed twice. And now he simply says, you know everything. This is Peter's conversion. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Let me ask you, why did he do that in front of the other men? Peter, a leader, failed miserably one of the greatest failures in christian history why do this in front of the other men because the other men had lost trust in him and jesus was graciously restoring restoring peter who would lead into the book of acts by preaching the gospel He's restoring this leader in front of the other men and it's beautiful how he does it. For the three denials, he asks him three times, do you love me? And it offsets those three denials and he lifts Peter up and he restores him to usefulness. you know what the shepherd does to your soul even after failure? He restores it. He renews it. He refreshes it. He restores my soul. Look at the next part. He leads me in paths of righteousness, right paths, direct paths. And sometimes those paths went through dry riverbeds and dark canyons and dangerous places, but the shepherd knew it was the right place to lead through. And there's a lot of wrong places that could have resulted in the slaughter of the sheep, but the good shepherd, the shepherd of our heart, leads through right paths. Sometimes the right path is through a forest. Sometimes in a wilderness for 40 years, Read your Old Testament. And He does this for His name's sake. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. right? What did He just say? I'm going to lead you in right paths for My name's sake. I'm going to lead you in a way that displays My character to a watching world. And those right paths connect that idea. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though it leads through very dark darkness, where moss grows on the rocks, where dangerous animals lurk, I don't have to fear. Do you know why? It's not because you're wise, or you're experienced, or you're strong. It is because you have a good shepherd who knows that path who knows what's in the shadows, who knows where to step, who knows where to lead you away from. I remember as a young boy, I loved going to Grandpa and Grandma Schomburg's house in New Britain, Pennsylvania, eastern Pennsylvania. And they, they were two houses down from this beautiful historic covered bridge. And I liked to go over there and throw rocks. And then it had my favorite pond, a little pond, where I killed my first frog and I, I cried I hadn't seen death yet, and then uh, take a little stone drive back, and there was the old tractor I played on, and a swing set, one of these old-school 1970s, very dangerous swing set, right? You guys remember these, and that's typically where we played, but once in a while, there was a path on the side that went through a very dark wood, and it led out to a soccer field or a soccer pitch, and that path felt like it was 10 miles long to me, and it was eerie. There were deer beds, but we never saw any animals. And it was dark. But I don't remember ever being afraid. I mean, it kind of creeped me out, kind of like Hansel and Gretel. Kind of creeped out. But my parents were there, right? Or kind of like Wizard of Oz. Do you know, there weren't great special effects in the 1930s, but those flying monkeys? (laughs) Those are creepy. And of course, as a child, I'm walking through this dark path, and I'm looking around like, you know, and I'm like, okay. But But my parents were there. That's kind of the picture. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Somebody trusted is with you. Somebody is with you who knows where they're going. Somebody is there who can fend off danger. And I love this. It's not just, yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, which would be death itself permanent, but through the valley. This life has a lot of valleys. This life has a lot of dark woods, jagged places. The beauty is, regardless, God will lead his sheep out safely to the other side, either the pure pastures of heaven or to green fields in this life after a long, dark wood. Sometimes the valley may be literal. Jeremiah 2, verse 6 says this, Who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through, where no man dwells. Even when you're in that kind of place, if you have a good shepherd, he will lead you through safely. Or it may be figurative, like in Job chapter 10, Are not my days few? By the way, he's describing death. This is fascinating. Look at the words here. Then cease and leave me alone, that I may find a little cheer before I go, and I shall not return. To the land of darkness and deep shadow, the land of gloom like thick darkness, like deep shadow without any order where light is as thick as darkness. Job is describing figuratively the experience of death. Let me ask you, we're all going to die. It's probably not my most encouraging statement in the sermon, right? But every person before you has some of my childhood and teen Idols, if you would, rock stars have died. Some of my guitar heroes have died. Celebrities have died. Pastors have died. When that happens, do you have a shepherd? Do you have a good shepherd who can lead you from this darkness to heaven's green pastures? Because Jesus said this, He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes unto the Father except Through Him. Through Him as the Lamb of God. We don't have to fear because He protects. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's the first comfort, for You are with Me. And Your rod and Your staff, they comfort Me. These implements of protection and these implements of safety. The crook to to bring a sheep off the edge of a cliff if needed. Messiah warriors would have Two weapons, they would have a spear and a rungu, and the rungu was this sort of knotted piece of wood where they would spear a lion and then crush its skull. Both implements were necessary. Look at verse 5. By the way, the the metaphor changes. I don't want you to miss this. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Did you feel that? You've got this shepherding care of of sheep walking through this valley, probably from the spring pasture lands, looking for different lands, and they've got to trek through this dangerous area to get to the next field. But now there's a table, and sheep don't sit at tables, just like dogs don't play poker. And some of you have seen that. Not, You haven't seen dogs play poker. You've seen the painting or the picture. It's one of my son's favorite. Sheep don't sit at tables, so something, something more is intended here. Moffat translates this as, listen to this, Thou art my host, spreading a feast for me while my enemies have to look on. In Psalm 78, 19, listen to what they said. They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? Forty years in the wilderness, and he provides in a miraculous way the manna. In the Gospels, Jesus feeds the 4,000 and the 5,000 and and Mark says this, and they all ate and were satisfied. Matter of fact, in this wilderness, our head is anointed with oil and the cup runs over. We hiked a 14er once and forgot sunscreen and head coverings. And for me, that is a serious oversight. And for the next 10 days, myself, Annabelle, and a few others, we were, we were scabbing up and peeling, and the joy of having an ointment and a soothing balm was an incredible relief. Do you know what the shepherd would do? He would, he would let the sheep come in, and he would count them at night, and as he counted them, he would look to see if there were any injuries. And if there were, he would anoint oil, or he would mend the sheep. He would also put out with his two-handled Dish, he would put out enough water for all the sheep it didn't matter whether you were the first or the last to get around that bowl the cup ran over because he's a good shepherd the shepherd applies needed care to injured sheep some of us are injured this morning you have a good shepherd who applies ointment the shepherd provides needed refreshment to thirsty sheep some of us are thirsty you have a good shepherd who puts down enough water for all of us because the Lord is my shepherd. And he ends with an exclamation. Let's look at this. Verse 6 as we close. Surely, in light of this shepherd, in light of this divine host, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's called eternity. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Security an ongoing relationship. David knew that enemies had followed him, even into the wilderness, meant harm to him, and perhaps were still pursuing him, but he could say this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not suffer any need. He is a good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11, again, we'll go back to what we started with. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. And It's interesting that Jesus is a, a shepherd who knows also what it's like to be a sacrificial lamb. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you know how you get to verse 6 experientially and with confident expectation that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever? How do you know if you will enjoy heaven's pastures forever? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Revelation 7, verse 17. Listen to what the last book of your Bible says. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne. He will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is the Lord your shepherd? If not, he came as a lamb to be sacrificed for you, to be received by simple faith, believing he is enough. He was sacrificed as the Passover lamb so that the death angel could pass over your soul. By believing in him, he rose again from the dead. Yes, still as a lamb in heaven, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as Savior. God has provided a lamb who takes away the sin of the world. So let me read to you John 14 because this is what the Good Shepherd told His disciples when He was about to die. He said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me, Jesus said. There is more than enough room in My Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. I love Thomas. No, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Maybe you don't know the way. Jesus is about to tell you I am the way, the truth, and the life. By the way, that's not just a perception of somebody's truth. People's perception is their reality, even if it's not true. This is true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. Remember we said this, a good shepherd is always leading somewhere good. And so is the case with the good shepherd Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for you, for the sheep, so that you may be with him forever. Let's, let, let's look again at a final verse, Revelation seven seventeen. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and I shall have no need. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He restores my soul.